0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. All right. Good to see everybody here today. I was telling people, I was like, "Wow, we got a lot of people here today." Should I be nervous or excited? I don't know. I'm more excited than anything else. I um, lo- love hanging out with people. Love seeing you guys here, and I'm just excited for a fun day of celebrating with you and, and seeing what God's going to say to us. And uh, and of course, it is Super Bowl Sunday. And I wanted to do something this morning. Now, this may seem like he's just trying to get votes, but I promised I was going to do this before I realized the Super Bowl was going to be on the same day as today. Believe it or not, when we planned the voting meeting, we actually planned it for today, thinking the Super Bowl was last week. Not taking into account the NFL added a week on and everything got pushed back, so it was like, I had this great idea. Guys, let's do the vote, not on the Super Bowl. People are going to be busy, so let's do it after. And then we send the letters out. And I'm like, Pastor Dustin, that's the Super Bowl. Man. <laughs> so, so I messed up. So I had this planned ahead of time. What I wanted to do, just something fun, is um, I, I, I like, you know, this isn't really a competition, but, but I like, you know, f- giving fun stuff away and having things. And I thought there's going to be a big game today and a lot of things going on. So I thought I'd do a little thing here in church where I just asked first one, two things. Does anybody have a birthday closest to today? Whoa, that hand shot up real fast. When is your birthday? 22nd. Uh, February twenty-second. Is anybody's closer? Ooh, sorry, so close. Oh, over here. Was the ninth? Well, the twentieth is closer to today than the twenty-second. Abby? Well, where's Abby? Oh, she's in the nursery, isn't she? She's in the nursery. Okay. Well, so don't, well, Abby can fight your little brother. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, Abby is in the nursery right now, so I have a gift card for Abby. Just a fun $25 Visa gift card for Abby. Happy birthday, Abby. I will give this to you guys after. And then my second question was for a couple, does anybody have an anniversary closest to today? 21st. Today. <laughs> Happy anniversary. <laughs> The, the same family got them both. So, <laughs> I have these for you guys. <laughs> like I am not trying to buy votes, people. This was planned. <laughs> get these after shirts. These are for you guys. Um, happy anniversary to you, too. That's super fun. Hope you guys have a fun day. I know you don't care about football, so you'll have fun doing something else. <laughs> All right. Would you please uh, turn your Bibles to 2 Kings? We're going to go through chapters 19 and 20 today. And as you're turning there, let me pray for us, and, uh, and we'll get started. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the chance we have to come, to gather, to celebrate, to have fun. God, and I pray that you speak to us all here today. God, uh, we're not here for ourselves. We're here for you because you've called us to be here and because we get this incredible privilege of serving, loving, and worshiping you. So God, I ask today that you speak to everybody here and that we don't leave here the same. We leave because different because we had a genuine encounter with you. We thank you. We love you. And everybody said, amen. All right. Now, oh, another thing. Some people asked me, they said, why are you not wearing a 49er jersey? It is not because they're not playing today. I believe my very first Sunday with you guys was Super Bowl Sunday last year, and I did have 49er stuff with me. Um, This is actually my favorite team in all of sports world. I'm a huge Giants fan. And if you come into my office, you'll see uh, pictures where I proposed to Stephanie at the Giants stadium, got it up on the board and stuff. So the Giants have a big place in my heart. So no, I did not fall off. I'm still a Niner fan, but this is my number one team, the Giants. But we started a series last week. We talked about things God always does. And we talked about how God moves in the past in the same way that he moves a lot today. He's consistent in a lot of the things he does. And last week we talked about how God is always speaking to us. Even when we feel like we're not listening to him or we can't hear it, we talked about different things that could be blocking that. God is always speaking. And we talked about a lot of different ways in the Old Testament, how God spoke to people then and ways that he speaks to us now. And, um, and it's a lot of, lot of fun stuff that God does with us as he did then. And we talked about how God refers to himself the same way then as he does now. God is I am. He is the great I am. And that has not changed. That will never change. God doesn't change over time. But today we're going to talk about um, a different aspect of what God always does. But before I dive into that, I want to ask you a question. And I'll even say something that may seem a little weird, if I could get any weirder with you. I love getting the mail. Some people hate the mail. It's just junk. I love getting the mail. I love going to the mailbox. Um, you know, something we had to learn here in Washington is where we live. We're in a subdivision, so there's a big box and we've got to take our key to the separate mailbox that's not next to our house. But I love going to that box. I love opening and seeing what's in there. I, I anticipate things that are gonna come. Even if it is just junk, I, I like getting the mail. It's something that I enjoy to do. Now, like I said, not just even when a package is coming. I know when we know something is coming, then the anticipation really comes, right? That the package is coming. You, you know, we Even though we have two-day shipping, we still look, is it here yet? Is it here yet? You know when it's gonna be here, but we look at that tracking number, how many stops? Amazon is eight stops, seven stops, six stops. We, we track it, we're obsessed with this sometimes. I love checking the mail. Now, just recently, Stephanie was anticipating something in the mail. And she was asking me, now, we didn't have a tracking number for this, but she was asking me, is this coming yet? Is it, did you check the mail today? I check the mail every day. I don't know why I get asked that question. Did you check the mail today? Yes, I did. Is it in there? The mail's on the counter. It's not there. Did you check again? The mail only comes once a day. So, But I would get this question a lot. Did you check the mail? Did you check the mail? And I would reply, Yes. It was only junk today. Yes, it was this. Yes, it was that, but it was not what you were looking for. And she would be, you know, groans like, oh, and I didn't even know exactly what she was waiting for, but it was just the question. Did you check? Did you check? Does it come? And what's funny is I'm pretty sure the UPS driver knows our house by heart, knows our names because of the amount of Amazon packages we have come to our house. I'm pretty sure they know. Just as soon as I see the name, they know where we are. But whatever Stephanie was waiting for, I was confused why she was having me check the mailbox because normally when she orders something, it doesn't fit in the mailbox. It gets delivered to the porch. It's too big. But finally, it came. On Wednesday this past week, it was a wedding invitation. And we opened it, and we got to to be so happy. Now we're planning potentially, trying to find out if we can make it down to to California to see our friend's wedding. But but the, the thing of being invited, there's something special about being invited to something, isn't there? And that's one reason, it is another reason, I like looking in the mail. I like these invitations and things when they come. I think there's huge power in an invitation. We, we can't discredit the power of asking someone to do something. We're inviting someone to be along or a part of something. That can mean something huge to people. There's power in invitations. Now, like you, our family receives invitations, e- either email or snail mail, but maybe it's one of these. Um, some of you guys, maybe if you have kids specifically, you'll get a birthday party invitation, Right? Or um, your kid will come from school and say, Everyone in my class got this invitation, but a birthday party invitation um, extended to us or our kids. Um, I love going to uh, Aurora and Avery's friends' birthday parties. Just a fun time to connect with other parents. Uh, One of the parties was at a gymnastics bouncy place. So, what did I get to do? Take off my shoes and jump all over the place and send kids sailing through the air. It was awesome. I love these parties. Or maybe it's an invitation to a wedding. I, I love going to weddings. I love what a wedding, what a what a ceremony is, and seeing people uh, devote their lives with God to each other. I love wedding ceremonies. We get to be a part of those, and it's uh, knowing that people have limited invitations to those. When you get invited to one, for me, it's special. I get to, I get to be a part of this when not everybody does. Makes me you know, feels my ego a little bit. Makes me feel good. But in some cases, we all get invitations that we don't like. We all, throughout the course of our lives, we will get multiple invitations to increase our debt. Those credit card applications, right? Man, they, they come and they come and they come. The same credit card company that I have right now still sends me applications. I'm like, you think someone would check that box. He's got one. But we get those invitations. For us, those pretty much go immediately in the trash. But we get invitations all the time. But what I love about invitations is it means you've been thought of. Someone thought about you enough to send you something to say, hey, join me in this, be a part of this. And I think in scripture, we have an incredible invitation that sometimes we don't capitalize on we have an incredible invitation to pray. And when you think, in the grand scheme of everything in the universe, we have the God, the creator of everything, specifically says, I want you. One of my seven billion people currently on earth, and if you want to do the number all throughout history, it's a much bigger number, but everyone here, I want you to pray. I invite you to be a part of what I'm doing. That is a very special invitation. A very special invitation. We get to be a part of God's story. Think about that. God invites us. The creator of the universe invites us. That's an amazing thought. He loves you so much to invite us, and he invites us to do a few things. One of these things he invites us to do is we get to communicate with him. We get to communicate with him. First Chronicles 16.8 says this, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. And the first step in communicating with God would be to do what? Say hi, right? At least start there. At least just take a moment and say, hi, God. Guarantee you he's already there waiting, listening for you. But have you ever passed somebody? You're walking along and you see somebody, you go, oh, hi. And maybe someone does one of these. (laughs) The look away and the walk away, you don't want to talk to that person. Or maybe you've done that to someone. They're like, hi, they didn't see me. They didn't see me. I didn't see them. I mean, it it doesn't feel great, right, (laughs) knowing someone is not inviting you to be a part of their conversation right there. Sometimes we can just keep on going. But I imagine God right there sometimes saying, you know, hey, good morning. But sometimes we pass by that invitation, don't we? We, we get out of bed, we start getting our day ready, and God's like, you know, hey, good morning. And it's like breakfast, coffee, newspaper, work, kids at school, gotta go. And we can miss that time it takes just to say, you know what, God, hi, good morning. Don't wanna pass this invitation to just say hi right away. We can forget that each day is a new day. An invitation begins with this conversation with God. He invites us not just to communicate with him, he invites us to know him. Jeremiah 33.3 3 says, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. That's great. God knows so much and he wants us to know his heart. He wants us to get our hearts in alignment with his heart. But that's going to start with this invitation or receiving this invitation to communicate with him. He invites us to grow in our relationship with him. Acts 2.21 says, It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When we communicate with God, this is not just a one-way thing. A relationship doesn't just go one way, right? We, we call that a leech. <laughs> I don't want to have a leeching relationship with God. I want to have a communication relationship where he talks to me, I talk to him, he reveals things to me, uh, I get to reveal things to him, and there's this growing culture between me and him with this relationship because of our conversations but it doesn't just go one way. It's not just me spouting off to God. It's not just me saying, God, do this, God, do this, God, do this. It's me taking the time to listen when he says, Dustin, I want you to do this. Dustin, this is what I have for you. It's a two-way street. When this happens, this conversation grows. A relationship is born. It's fostered. It grows. And that ultimately, I learn how to fall more and more in love with him because of this communication in this relationship. But it starts with that invitation. And he started with a simple invitation all the way back in the Garden of Eden And then it eventually, through the manifestation of Jesus, and now today, through his word, we have this invitation to pray. An invitation by God. This is great, to call upon his name, to hear his promise. We get to hear what he wants for us. He hears our prayers, and I love that when we do this, he heard people in the Old Testament, and he hears us today. When we call out to God, he hears what we're saying. Now, the sad thing is, When we talk about Christ followers, sometimes one of the first things that gets just kicked off of our list when times gets tough is prayer. Sometimes life gets really hard and we're like, oh man, I'm trying to do this, trying to do this. I'm falling on my knees like, oh, what am I going to do? My family is upset. This isn't working. And sometimes it's so easy to be like, when was the last time you prayed? Oh, Right. Should have been the first thing I did, right? But it's an easy thing that we, we skate over. And having a regular, consistent prayer life is, I think, one of the hardest things that we can try to develop in a healthy way. We all have things that I think that we, we pray for on a regular basis, right? A lot of us say we can pray for our meals, it's like every night before dinner, we pray for our meals. Um, sometimes so much that it almost becomes a scripted uh, prayer time at, at uh, meals, right? I can ask Aurora Avery, my daughters, to pray. And they'll, they'll, at dinner time, they'll do like the same scripted, thank you for this, thank you for this, thank you for the food, amen. It's a scripted thing. But we, we pray for meals. Or as parents, we can throw up a prayer of safety um, every now and then if it crosses our mind. Not a regular thing, but when we hear something happened, okay, it's a response. Like, okay, I heard this, now I'm going to pray for this instead. We ask God to change our spouse, make them see things the way we see it when we need to, right? People probably all pray that. God, change her point of view to be like mine. I don't think that prayer has ever been answered the way I wanted it to be. Or we pray when confronted by an emergency or a health crisis. And these are not bad things to pray about, not knocking any of these, but sometimes our prayer life can turn into a response prayer life instead of a leading prayer life. Instead of going before these problems, we start playing catch-up because of things. But a regular practice of prayer, if we're honest, it's hard because we, we ask questions like this. When we say, I want to establish a genuine prayer life and communication with God, but then we have these questions. What do I even pray for? If you sit down to pray, that question comes in, what should I pray for? How long should I pray? Some people say, I feel like I prayed and it was two minutes and I felt good. And I tell them, Great. Someone says, I I prayed for 35 minutes and I feel good. It's like, that was great, but that's a question people will ask. How long should I pray? Someone will ask, what do I need to pray for? Are there things that I should and shouldn't pray for? If God already knows what's going to happen, does it even matter? He already knows. Does it matter that I'm going to pray in the first place? And then the end-all question I think I get so often from people that are in a hard time, does God even hear my prayers? Does God even hear? I know I've asked that question personally when I'm praying for something and it's not working out the way I thought. I've asked that. It's like, God, can you even hear me right now? Does God even hear our prayers? We can look in scripture and, and sometimes say, well, yes, he hears. Like, like Jeremiah 29, 12 says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. So it's easy to look in scripture, right? And say, well, yeah, scripture says he answers our prayer. He hears us. Yes, he hears us. But then in our lives, when we're not getting the answers we want, we still ask the question, all right, I know it says you here, but are you listening? What is going on? It's hard to be confident sometimes because our prayers aren't answered the way we want, and our prayer life doesn't turn into a prayer. It turns into a cry. Like, God, why? What is happening? Why are you not listening to me? And then sometimes you can have the fact that our minds can wander during prayer time. I know when I've talked with people about prayer, A hard thing for me to do is to stay focused. I'm the epitome of the dog and up that sees the squirrel and goes after the squirrel. I do it all the time. Um, When when Stephanie and I are talking about things at home, she'll start moving on. I go, wait a sec, let me finish this. Because if I don't stay focused, I'm going to wander and I'm not going to come back. Like my mind wanders too much. So sometimes saying I'm going to set aside a certain amount of time to sit down and pray and I'm not going to get distracted, sometimes that can sound like torture on its own because your mind wanders, or you're not patient enough to say, I'm just going to sit down and do this and wait. Because some people just want to do something. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, some people will say, you know, hey, we can pray, but I, instead of praying, I want to do. And I think that's where we start getting the mix up. I think our prayer life requires a doing afterwards. But sometimes we can jump right to the doing and skip the prayer part. They go hand in hand. We can't just do without the prayer, and we can't just pray without the action. They combine in a way that is so good. But if we look at those wandering minds, the wanting to just do something about it, and on top of that, there is a spiritual force that does not want you to pray on top of that. These things can make it seem kind of daunting, right? I I, I believe that God is, I mean, definitely God is stronger than the devil. God is stronger than the enemy. That doesn't mean the enemy doesn't want to interfere, doesn't want you to stumble. He'll do everything he can to get us to stumble. And the fact that knowing that he's out there and wanting me to fail, for some people, that can be a big hindrance, saying, you know what, I just think, I just think he's in the way. I don't want to give him too much credit, because sometimes I think life just happens. I was talking to one person one time, and they said, the devil's after me. My car won't start. And I, I said, well, tell me what happened. Found out they hadn't changed their oil in six and a half years. Well, that's not the devil. That's just not maintenance, all right? Let's, let's not give him credit for something he didn't do. But know that God is bigger than him, and he's not going to be able to block us when we make God the priority. And I hope today when we go through this, we'll see the beauty of a God that we get to love, that we get to serve, who actively hears our cries, who actively hears our prayers. And this is not a tragedy that we have of talking to a God who's not going to pay any attention to us. It's just the opposite. We have his full attention. And he does hear what we say. So 2 Kings 19 and 20 we're going to look at two prayers of King Hezekiah. Now, Hezekiah was the king of Judah at the time, and he was one of the few kings that he had a heart bent towards God. And if you look through Scripture, you see a handful of kings that followed God and had a heart towards God, and then you see a whole lot of kings that caused a whole lot of problems. But Hezekiah, he's one of these kings who was following God. And he was following God in a day where there was evil and there were people outdoing one another. But Hezekiah was totally different. And listen to how he's described in 2 Kings 18, verses 5 through 6. He's 25 years old when he becomes the king. But it says this, He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among the kings of Judah after him, nor among, among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but he kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. Now, we'll, we'll see why this is so important here in a few minutes because I do want you to see the character of Hezekiah. Before we go into how he prayed and what he prayed, we get to pick apart his character a little bit, and it's really, really cool. He had integrity. This king had faith. This king trusted God, he followed him wholeheartedly. This doesn't mean he was perfect. Nobody's perfect except my wife. I love you. But Hezekiah had a bent towards God. Above all else, he wanted to follow God. The first part we'll read is in chapter 19. This had to do with a national crisis. And we, we can relate with national crises, right? There's you know, things happening this past couple of years that we would say national crisis. If you're following what's happening in Ukraine overseas right now, national crisis. I haven't heard word from her, but I know uh, our missionary, Tammy Swales, she's in Ukraine. I don't know where she is or what's going on right now, but pray for her because she's in the middle of a country in crisis. Hezekiah right now is a king of a country in a national crisis. The king of Assyria has decided he was going to invade. And the king of Assyria was a big, powerful dude with a big, powerful army. This was nothing that could just say, oh, well, we'll fight, we'll win, we're good. This was a scary time. And then we'll go to uh, chapter 20 for a second prayer, which regards a health crisis. But 2 Kings 19, it's a big chunk of scripture, stick with me. Uh, 2 Kings 19, 14 to 20, we'll read uh, King Hezekiah's first prayer, and it says this. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers The letter basically taunted Hezekiah and God himself. He was coming to destroy Jerusalem and read it. Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Hear the words of the Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste to the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord our God, save us please from this hand, that all kingdoms of earth may know you. O Lord you, O Lord, our God, and our God alone. Then Isaiah said to son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, your prayer to me about the Senate Cherub, king of Assyria, I have heard. So we have a first prayer right there, right? He's praying. He says, this army is coming. And Hezekiah says, God, this, these people have laid waste to their land. They have false gods that aren't real, that they're cast into fire because they're fake. Now they're coming for us, God. We know who you are. Be with us. So we have this cry for God to save the land. Now, before we go into what happens, let's read his second prayer. 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 5. This is after the war. You can you know, read between the lines. He wins because he's still alive for this. But this is after the war. It says this, In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, son of Amos, came and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die. You shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned to his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out to the middle court, and the word of the Lord came to him, Turn back and say to Hezekiah, leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. And on the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. So we have two situations here now, right? Hezekiah, national crisis. He's praying to God. You've got it. I I need you, God, to save us from this army coming. And then second one, a health crisis. His health is, is declining. Isaiah came and said, you know what? You're going, God says, it's your time. You're going to die soon. And Hezekiah cries out to God and prays then too. In both these texts, he prayed. And in both these texts, we will see God responded to his prayer. But before we get into exactly what God said, I want to pick apart what Hezekiah did here. Because I think Hezekiah, we can learn a lot from what he had. He had a very healthy prayer. He had a very healthy prayer, and I believe that's why God heard and God responded the way he did. But what does a healthy prayer consist of? What does it look like? You can't just say pray healthy and and not go any more than that, right? We've got to understand, what is a healthy prayer? And we'll get to specific ingredients at the end of our time, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on the specifics because what I don't want us to think is that if I pray this way, this way, this way, then God will hear me and I must do this, must do this. Pr- prayer is not a magical chant or a magical formula that everyone follows the exact same path and that's how God hears you. Lots of people have different ways that they pray, but we are going to see some healthy ways that we can pray and things to include in our prayers. But I don't want us to think prayer is a magical chant to get God's attention. I don't want us to think that when we pray, God is that genie, we're rubbing that lamp and he comes out and he's like, I'm your friend now, what are we doing? And I'll give you everything you want. What's your wish? God doesn't work that way. He's not the genie. I would like a genie, but he is not the genie. So before we get into the certain aspects or the prayer of the ingredients of a healthy prayer, I want to understand realize, have us realize prayer in its most basic form, this is a relationship with God. This is building, fostering a healthy relationship with God. And what we learn from Hezekiah's prayer, the first thing I think we learn from Hezekiah is that a healthy prayer will include a healthy posture. A healthy prayer includes a healthy posture. Now, I'm not so much talking about a physical posture. I do think that's important um, for a number of reasons. But I'm not talking about as it relates to uh, things that Scripture talks about. Scripture talks about praying, and it says we can sit. There's ways to kneel, standing, laying prostrate with your face towards the ground, or praying with your hands lifted up. These are all things Scripture talks about in your prayer life. And I think those enhance and those communicate something on its own. You ever talk to someone and you start talking and they do one of these? Mm-hmm. Arms crossed. But right. they're not saying anything, but their posture is communicating something really, really important, right? Or um sometimes you know, I'll be talking to Aurora and she'll do the whole and I I I can't do this the way she does and, and some people go what, but you know, do the whole Mhm. Hand on the hip, you know, the head to the side. At that point, it's like, oh, she's communicating this right now. You, you, your posture communicates something. So I do think a physical posture, that is a big part of prayer. It does communicate something when you're prayer praying. But I think there's a different kind of posture that's important as well. Um, a pastor and author, Mark Batterson, said this. Physical posture is an important part of prayer. It's like a prayer within a prayer. Posture is to prayer as tone is to communication. If words are what you say, then posture is how you say it. Physical postures can help our hearts and our minds. I love that last line. Physical postures help our hearts and our minds. I think a big part of our posture when we pray is not just the posture of how we're standing or kneeling. It's the posture of our heart. What is our heart coming forward to God with? What is the condition of our heart when we come to pray? Is it a posture towards pride? Is it a posture towards humility? What is our heart communicating? Because I think before our words come out, what we're doing on the inside is already communicating something to God. When being confronted with being assaulted and overthrown by this massive army, this invading force, do you notice what Hezekiah does in these situations? In the first one we read, it said, Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. He went up and laid himself out in front of God. In situation two, with his health, Second Kings 20 said, Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Both times, Hezekiah came to God with two important things. He came with humility and brokenness. And I think that the reason we see God go to that, it's like God was attracted like a magnet to those two things. This is someone who has put himself aside. This is someone who's coming to me with all of his faults and brokenness and crying out to me, and God is right there. God goes so close to those who are humble and broken. We read that in Psalm 37. And then we see in 1 Peter that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When we come to him broken, when we come to him with humility, that's when God is like, yes, let's talk. Let's have this relationship where we can grow. Hezekiah knew his place. He knew he was the king, but he knew there was a bigger, better, stronger king that he had to answer to, that he loved to answer to, that he wanted to answer to. In this prayer that he has, Second Kings 19.15, we read this, but it says, Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned in the cherubim, you are God, you alone, all the kings of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. In this prayer, he's emphasizing the sovereign power and rule of this God that we pray to. He knows, Hezekiah acknowledges in this prayer, he may be the king, but the world is not revolving around him. It is not all about him. It is controlled by the God of the universe. He understands in his place that this is where we all, this is where healthy prayer begins, knowing that it's not about us. Understand this fact, and sometimes, this is is total counterculture today, but understanding this line, we are not God. We are not God. Understanding that he is, when you start this prayer, is so key to this heart. But it takes humility to acknowledge. this. It, uh, it takes the spirit of being broken to acknowledge that we are not the ones in charge. We don't get to call the shots. He calls the shots. And I think that's why he answered Hezekiah the way that he did. Sometimes, though, we feel, like we feel broken because we feel like God doesn't hear it. Maybe we can say, you know what, I feel like I do these things. I feel like I come to God in these, these moments, but I don't hear him. And there are some reasons, I think, and I want to point out a few things that I think will block us from hearing what God is saying to us. It's not that he's not hearing us. I think it's these will make make it feel like he doesn't hear us because it's not getting answered the way we think. And one is our unbelief. I think our unbelief can block our posture, both our physical and our heart posture. When we say there are things that I do not believe. Um, A common denominator with a lot of these things I'll talk about is pride. I think pride will lead to a dropped call every time. I know when I I see the phrase dropped call or I hear dropped call, I think of that Verizon commercial, right? Can you hear me now? Good. Can you hear me now? Good. But sometimes when we have pride get in the way, it can feel like that dropped call between us and God because we're no longer looking at him, we're looking at ourselves. We're looking at what I want for me. Why is this not working out for me? How come my prayer's not getting answered? But the, the common denominator in those lines is the me, right? This is about me. This is mine. This is why you're not talking to me. When we get pride out of the way, though, we start looking at God instead. Psalms 410, uh, 10 4 says, In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, There is no God. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All of his thoughts are, There is no God. When Why pray if you're going to say there's no God, right? But I love that this says pride leads to the unbelief in God. Pride will literally get us to start thinking that we are our own gods, that we are the ones in charge, that he is not the one calling the shots, and that's not a good place to be. And I think when we say those things, then we say, well, God didn't hear my prayer. No, maybe not that he didn't hear you. He's not answering it the way you think because it's really not about what he wants for you. It's about what you want for you. James 1, 6 through 8 says, but let him ask in faith. With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And when we pray, we get to pray in belief. We get to pray in belief for who he is, with our hearts in a posture that puts him first, knowing he's in charge. And when we do that, that's when we can believe he's going to answer. Maybe not for the way we want. He's going to answer the way that he wants because he knows what's best. But we get to pray believing in this God. We have, we have so much history in this book to show the proof and belief in who he is and what he says and how he's still faithful to this day. And we get to pray with that belief. Not our belief, belief in him. A second is selfishness. Another form of pride, being selfish, right? When we are asking God for, when we're selfish, it's not for his glory, for his will to be done, but instead we're asking the God to do something for us. Do it for my glory, for the wrong reasons and the wrong motives. James 4.3 addresses this. He says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Man, when we do that, we're not praying as Jesus did. Remember, in Jesus' prayer, he said, your will be done. Your kingdom come. It wasn't a, it wasn't a hey, God, I know that, um, that you're in charge, but I want my will right now, my kingdom, make this about me. And Jesus, it was the exact opposite. Your kingdom, your will, it takes you out of the equation and allows God to work in you and through you instead. Sometimes we feel like our prayer is not responded to, but it may be because our self, our own selfishness can be at the core of our prayer. A third one is disobedience. This could be another form of pride, right? What does the Bible say about disobedience as it relates to prayer? Isaiah 59 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your inequities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. I think sometimes when we, when we choose to live in habitual sin, that can lead to a dropped call, it feels like, almost every single time. We have this invitation to call upon God, but that doesn't mean we get to just genie him up whenever we want in the middle of what we're doing and keep doing what we're doing. He's saying, I want a heart change. I want your posture. It's gonna be different because I want what's inside, not just your own, I'm gonna do whatever I want and still have you do what I want as well. That's not the way we pray. We pray for his kingdom, and we've gotta understand sometimes our own sin, the things we're living in, needs to be addressed. I know we had a, the last prayer night we had in January, one of the first things we did, I said, you know what, guys, before we even dive into this, let's jump into a time where we're just gonna open ourselves up. If there's something you need to confess to God right now, man, now's the time to just, between you and God, confess it. You gotta get something right, get it right, because I don't want anything blocking this communication. I don't want anything that we're we're hiding from God, which is a funny thought, because, you know, he knows it anyways, right? (laughs) But I don't wanna think that we're hiding something from him to cause a block in our communication with him. Be open, confess things that we have to confess. Another one is fractured relationships. Man, Matthew uh, 5.23 says this. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled with your brother and then come offer your gift. Then Mark 11.25 says, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father who is in heaven may forgive you as your trespass. I love that God's saying, Hey, I know you want to be right with me, but you know what I really want to? I want you to be right with other people. I don't want you coming to me totally bitter and broken and angry. Make things right with each other. Make things right. Life is too short to hold these grudges. If there's something not okay, make it right. Sometimes when I say this, you know, some people will say, Yeah, that's an amen, or someone will go, ha, that's a, Oh, no. As people that make us mad we don't want to make it right right i know that um i shared with my men's uh, morning prayer group that there was actually someone who was significant in my life who wronged me many 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 years ago and i haven't talked to this person in many 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 years just circumstances and jobs and life took us separate ways but looking back at it i was like you know i never forgave this person I never really did. And I I don't think about it all the time. I don't wake up every day going, oh, this guy that one time. It's not dwelling on me. But when his name or when a situation comes up where I think about him, I realize it starts to stir in me. Like, you know what? I do have something against this person that I've never addressed. And I was challenged to talk to him. So I haven't heard back yet, but I reached out. And can I tell you, the weight that was just off when I reached out was phenomenal. I know that even if, even if this person never replies to me, I know that I'm, on my part, I did my best to make it right. There's no power over me. There's nothing holding me down. I'm making a fractured relationship, trying to make it whole. Would you do an honest assessment today and say that I am is still I am, and that he still hears your prayers? If you sense God is distant, man, sometimes it could be one of those reasons. Let the Holy Spirit search your heart. Is there something you're asking God to do? But deep inside or out, you you wonder whether or not, is he hearing me? Is he going to do it? Maybe just breathe a prayer right now, like the father of the boy who had an unclean spirit in him in Mark chapter 9. He approached Jesus and said, heal my son. And Jesus said, all things are possible for him who believes. And the father said, I believe, help my unbelief. He called out and said, God, I'm struggling here. Please help me. Maybe you need to pray and ask God uh, to give you a desire for his will over your will. Maybe you say, that that's what it is. God, you know what? I need you to really help me see your ways, not my ways. And that's a totally great thing to ask. It puts our heart in the right posture. Maybe it's a confession of sin. Maybe it's a fractured relationship. Maybe there's distance between you and your parents or you and a child or, or you and someone in your life that you say, hey, this is fractured. And maybe you just need to take every step you can. Not saying that whatever, whenever you say something, they are going to reciprocate the way you want, but at least we can take an action to say, you know what, God, I'm going and laying it all out to heal this relationship. I know, I know we're not perfect, and I don't think God is looking for us to be perfect, but he's looking for those of us to display a continual posture of humility and brokenness to him. Hezekiah was by no means perfect. If you read 2 Kings 20, you see a major fault that he had where God ultimately says, you know what, now this is going to happen. It's crazy because he just had these amazing things where God answered his prayers, and then just in the same chapter 20, he does something and God goes, oh, now there's going to be a shift. But in 2 Kings 18, it said this, recall what we said about his character. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, after him and none who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but he kept the commandments that the Lord Lord commanded Moses, the Lord was with him. Because he humbled himself before God, because of the way he lived, God was with him. And he knew God was with him. And he trusted him and he had the right heart behind it. And this leads to that, the last lesson, we'll close with this, that we can learn from Hezekiah's prayer. It's this, healthy prayer includes a healthy perspective. Healthy prayer includes a healthy perspective. In his prayer, he acknowledged the sovereign rule of God. He acknowledged this is the guy, it's not me, and he trusted God to answer his prayer. And this is key, he trusted God to answer it however God felt fit. Let that sit with you for a second. He trusted God to answer it however God felt felt fit. Can we honestly say that about our prayers? I know it's, it's hard sometimes, isn't it, to say, God, I'm praying for this, and then say, but however you answer it, God, I'm going to be okay. That's the hard part right there, because we want our specifics. We, we, we say, this is what I'm praying for. Um, I, I have a friend right now who's in the, the battle for her life, and I know I am praying, God, heal, God, heal, God, heal. That's what I'm believing for. I'm praying for, ultimately knowing God may heal according to what his healing may be. It's a tough pill for me to swallow because that's not what I want. So getting to this place saying, God, my perspective is that you will answer this prayer. And no matter how you answer it, I trust you and I love you. It's hard. It is so, so hard. When my brother passed away in October, I did the same prayer. I remember sitting at the, the hospital on his bedside saying, God, heal my brother Abraham. Right now, the doctors told us he's only got a couple days. And at this point, it was like, God, you're a big God. Heal him. God did heal him. He's in heaven now with him, and I know he's healed. My hope and belief is that he's right there with him. I had to be okay with God answering my prayer that way. Go back to these situations that Hezekiah faced. Assyria is coming against him. The city of Jerusalem is under siege. Hezekiah prays for God to intervene, and in a moment, we'll see there's a key ingredient to this prayer that we ask and we trust. We ask and we trust. Then when Hezekiah is at 39 years old, he hears he's going to die. He asks the Lord to intervene. He demonstrates, he asks, and he trusts. Now, if you read on your own, you'll see some fun facts. I'll give you some highlights. When God, when Hezekiah prays to God for salvation from this army, God sends an angel through the enemy's camp and kills 185,000 soldiers. I don't think Hezekiah didn't pray for that, but that's how God answered it. And that was look at the power of what our God can do. I had. I had no doubt, I mean, Hezekiah, I have no doubt that God was looking for him, was was looking after his back and watching him here. And Hezekiah's prayer regarding that he was going to die. Hezekiah prays, he goes prostrate. He says he puts his face he wails, he cries and says, God, heal me. And then you know what God says? Hezekiah, I've heard your cry. I'm gonna give you 15 more years. 15 more years. Now, some of you, if you do the math, you can go, wait, that means he's gonna die at 55. Wait a second. I would ask God for more. Hezekiah doesn't ask God for more. He rejoices in what God does for him. We don't get any inclination of him doubting, debating, or being discouraged by the answer God gives. Do you have this deep-seated trust in God, this deep-seated faith and belief in what he's doing? I think that comes with having a healthy perspective that he is sovereign, he's in control, and he knows better. I'd like to invite the worship team back up uh, as we close this morning. You know, God operates on a different level than we do, doesn't he? He's on a whole nother level. Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways and my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He is altogether different from us. He's working his plan, and having a healthy prayer life includes a healthy posture and having a healthy perspective. I think when we go home today, we can, we, can have, we can take this message a couple different ways. We can say, you know what? It's confession time. I've got to get right with God. Or maybe it's reconciliation time. I've got to get right with somebody else. Maybe it's just reflection in your own heart. Where am I, where am I struggling with right now? What is, what is making me feel like God's not hearing me? But I love that we can go with confidence because of what we see through Scripture, specifically today with Hezekiah. We notice in Hezekiah's prayer for his health, we don't have specifics exactly of what he prayed for, but we, we believe, and I know that he was so broken, I don't even think he knew what to pray for. And sometimes that can happen with us. Romans 8 says, the Holy Spirit will help you in your weakness. I know that sometimes we get to that point where, God, just give me the words. But I know that when we give our hearts to God, when we have him coming at us, or we're coming to him, and we say, God, I don't know the words, but I believe in you, and I'm laying myself out there, he will give us the things to say. He will fill our hearts with his desires, and we will know what to pray for. And even if you Don't. God will hear your heart because if your heart is in that open position, he sees it. He knows it and he loves it. Would you stand with me? Know this. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. He's there for us. When we don't know what to say, he says it. He's our ultimate helper and despite what we're going through, despite how hard it can feel sometimes, know that God always hears you. And not only does he always hear you, love scripture says God is for you, not against you. God is for you. Everyone say, God is for me. Is for I know it can be kind of cheesy. Say, you know, I'd say, I'm going to say something, you say it back, but I believe in this so strongly. Say it again. God is for me. God is for say, God hears me. God hears me. Now, don't just leave those statements here today. When you go home, know God is for you, he hears you, and he wants nothing less than your whole heart. Amen. God, you are so good. I thank you that you're for us, not against us. I thank you that you hear us. And God, I pray that for all of us today, we go home, we do some examining in our lives, God. We we lay ourselves before you. We come to you with humility. We come to you with love, knowing that you love us so much and we are able to know that when we cry, you hear us. When we cheer, you hear us, God. When we pray, when we reach out, you always hear us. God, I pray that that never leaves our minds and we live on that and that confidently every day. We thank you, we love you, and everybody said, amen.